after complaining endlessly about uh, not getting enough screen time, enough talk time, um, we decided to not do a, a guest today and let John Shannon have his way and um, have an inordinate. Oh, now, have I been complaining a lot? A lot, a lot. Really? Hugh and I, our producer and I, have been uh, discussing this privately behind your back. And so, well, we figured we'd give you a day. Yeah. And this is it. So it's the Bob McCown podcast with uh, Bob McCown, but starring John Shannon today. So go ahead, start talking. So how was your weekend? Oh, fine. It was great. Thank you very much for asking. <laughs> what did you I didn't, do? What I didn't do? do a damn thing. I didn't go a damn place. What do you mean? I, I, I basically was in the house all weekend. Too hot? No, I just didn't have anywhere to go. As you well know, I'm not very well liked. <laughs> so... <laughs> that's now and I, again once once again robert mccowan comes up with the the salient point right away i'm well, not well like I, I mean i i want to say I, I i very much appreciate the fact that uh, you and i and our producer hugh got together on thursday for the first time in what over a year no like no no ever <laughs> well i i is that the first time you met Hugh? no but the three of us have never been in the same room together ever all right, very well. I don't think. I think you're probably right now that I think. Hugh, you could pipe in here. You am I right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, well, so much for you filling time for us. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. His career in broadcasting might be as brief as that well. sentence, which was one word. <laughs> oh god. No, uh, and your baseball team is winning now again, Bob. You yeah. know, it's, it's fantastic. We a Canadian won a golf tournament on the weekend. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Lots of good stuff, you know, and, big uh, trade. Yeah, we'll get into the hockey stuff because uh, we know that's where you live. And uh, that's what we'll do. So okay. some chit and some chat when we come back after these messages. So any place particular you'd like to begin? Well, I, 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 let's go with the Blue Jays because they're, to me, when you think about, you know, the, the dismissal of uh, Charlie Montoyo after that uh, abysmal road trip, here we are two weeks later. And this team now is, I think, in the number one wildcard position in the American League. Uh, uh, you're right. It, it, it's, it, what, what a difference. That was a song. What a difference a day makes, but what a difference two weeks makes. Uh, now, they, no, I'm not sure the uh, competition on the weekend was, you know, Major League Baseball competition, but. Oh, my you know. God. Uh, that was about the poorest display, defensive display I've seen from a baseball team over three games, probably in my life. Like, that's how bad it was. The Boston Red Sox are a complete and total mess right now. Yeah. And Eight or nine guys on the injured list, though, Bob. I mean, like. I get it. You know. I get it. And, and, you know, the Blue Jays went through nothing like this in terms of injuries, but incompetence, ineptness. Yeah. And now they bounce back to where they've got a 10 games, back to 10 games over 500. And I think the best they've ever been is 11 this year. But they're like, they're back to that point. But it was not great pitching and not great hitting that caused the Blue Jays to oh, um, go into their slide. Nothing like this. No. Defensively, no. Boston was completely inept. This was, to me, like film I used to see of the 1962 Mets. It really was. When it, you think it, it about really, it. It really was like that. Now, they had some unfortunate plays. They had, the, you know, they, had a, um, they had a ball hit third base and bounce into foul territory, and that winds up as a double. And then they have a... Um, a chopper in the infield that the pitcher goes to play, can't get to it. The second baseman makes the play pitcher goes to first base and then misses the bag. Right. Like, but, by, but that's no, but that that's bad baseball Bob. by two feet. That's bad baseball. That one. That well, one. yes, it was, but I mean, there's no, no excuse for it. Although I watched that replay, obviously like everybody else did numerous times and the pitcher took an angle towards the ball when it got by him, he went to first base mm -hmm. and he felt as though he couldn't turn around and locate the bag because he didn't know when the throw was coming. 
So he kind of estimated it and he was going, he had the wrong angle. So he missed the bag by two feet. So that's no excuse. No, it's not. As the guys in the broadcast said, this is a play. And if you've ever been to spring training, you see this all the time in late January, early February before games start. This is one of the plays that, that they work on day after day after day is pitcher covering first base. Well, and, and, and the footing that you should have and the difference of where you know whether you're on the grass or on the dirt and, what, and automatically that tells you the distance you are from, the, from first base. So that, that, that to me of all, now that Friday, Friday night was something totally different. Um, but that to me, that play alone on Sunday was, that was as, as egregious as I've seen in ages when it comes to a defensive play in the infield for a team. That just that just can't happen, Bob. Well, they were bobbling balls all over the place, booting them, yeah. uh, guys falling down in the outfield. I mean, everything that could go wrong pretty much did go wrong over the course of, of that time period. And we should acknowledge, because we haven't been on since then, 28 runs for the Blue Jays on Friday yeah. night. Yeah. Which is, I mean, we'll never see that again in our lifetime, I'm quite sure. I thought it was a typo. Because I didn't, I, oh, you I didn't, didn't watch the game. I didn't start watching the game, and so I just I, I went online and checked and checked the score, and I said, "Now somebody's made a mistake." <laughs> at which point I, I did understand. Co- <laughs> at, at at this point, I did go downstairs and and started to watch, and just I mean, I, I couldn't, I really couldn't believe it. It was, but even even the start of of the third game of the series, you know, the on on Sunday. You know, where if you were, if I tell you what, if you're a Red Sox and, and actually Danny Shulman talked a little bit about this because he was amazed how many, how many people weren't there, even though they announced 34,000, he said, there's only about 60% of that in, in, in the stadium. The Jays got off to such a great start at the top of the first. If you're driving in from the suburbs of Boston to go to the game and you listen to the top of the first, I'd turn the car around. <laughs> Well, I, I and I suspect there were some people who did. And the other thing that was mentioned, I believe, in the broadcast was how quiet it was. Yes. Yeah. And Boston fans, as you well know, are not known for being quiet. No, but I, I it's almost, I thought they'd be ma- more angry at their own team. I did too. I did too. I thought, I thought you'd hear a lot more booing. Now, there were, there were boos. Yeah. But it was as if the entire crowd was stunned by what they were watching and had watched over the previous couple of days as well. It was, um, it was quite extraordinary. Now, uh, on the Blue Jays side, they're, you know, don't take too much stock in the 28 runs, but um, there were some really good stories, Bob. I mean, guys coming out of slumps, guys hitting better. Um, and, and, and to me, uh, the fact that it wasn't Guerrero really as much as any as the as some of the other guys making a difference. Well, the offense was, I mean, as good as you could possibly imagine. Yeah, um, like Tapia, who didn't even play on Saturday, right? Was like an all star. He's got he gets an inside the park grand slam, and then comes up on Sunday, and with the bases loaded, and hits a triple into the gap in uh, in in. Right, right center. Yeah. So, again, everything that could go right for the Blue Jays did. Yeah. Everything that could go wrong for the Red Sox did. Now, can that switch back? Of course it can. Yeah. Over 162 games, you are going to inevitably go through these stretches. And I don't sit here and preach this to you as somebody who understands this and accepts it. Because when I was on the air... I was a kind of a closet fan, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to you have to maintain some neutrality, if you will, and and so. So I, now you're just a now you're just a fan. Well, now I can just be a fan. I mean, Hodge is exactly the same way. No, I, Hodge is a little more critical than you are. Well, sure, but um, and and that's fine. I have no issue with that. But when you become a fan one of the things you allow yourself to do is get more worked up when you play, when the, your team plays 10 games and plays like crap mm-hmm. and you, you try and you try and maintain some level of decorum 
when they play great for 10 games. And that's what's happened really over the last 20. It's really, if you look at 20 games, they're almost, you know, mirror-like images of, of, uh, of their performance. What are they, 9-1 and one in their yeah. last 10, I think? Yeah. And I don't think they were 1-9, and nine, but they may be 2-8 and eight in the previous 10. So, But really, there's only been one change through that mirror, that mirror time. And that's Bob. the manager. And I don't I, – I just – I mean, do you really think that make, made that much of a difference? Uh, with, with all I due respect. It, I find it hard to believe that it makes that much of a difference. Yeah. You know, uh, but there were, there were a couple of things yesterday or the day before – that you saw within uh, the sh- the game within the from, from you know from fifty thousand feet that we're watching it that said this guy appears to have a different approach to things like when when Alec Manoa got a little emotional um, on the mound striking a, one of the Red Sox out um, and got calmed down firstly by Bo Bichette leaving the leaving the field. Then Snyder put his arm around him and said, "Hey, listen, you know something. I think to the effect of, we don't need to we don't need to poke the bear. You don't need to get the other guys angry. You need to control your emotions better." Uh, is that something Charlie Montoya would have done? Um, but obviously, there's something that this guy has done. Whether it's a a direct approach, a a, a different approach that I think has put the players in a happier light because this is, this is the one sport I think in many ways, because there's so much time between occurrences that you, it's important to keep um, the levels of enthusiasm and happiness on, on within the players. I I think at a higher level, I really do. I I, I just think it's, it's better for this group of guys to be happy playing the game as opposed to just playing the game as a professional? Um, obviously, I do not go to the ballpark every night. I do not go into the dugout or, or into the um, – I don't stand around the field for BP. I don't go into the clubhouse. I don't talk to the players on any kind of regular basis. And I used to do that. Yeah. And you used to get a sense of what's going on. And sometimes you got specifics about what was going on. Um, so I don't have that insight anymore. But the one thing I know is, you know, in trying to evaluate Schneider versus Montoyo is I do not recall any player coming to Charlie's defense when he was let go. Um, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but Mm -hmm. I didn't see it. I didn't read about it. Um, I didn't hear anybody say Charlie was, was a great guy. We're sad to see him go. We wish him well. You know, that's the organizational BS that they do at the news conference when they announce the guy's gone. Sure. They always try and play nice. But often you'll hear players say stuff, and it gives you a sense of, of not just their feelings, but what might really have been the cause of the dismissal. And it just seems to me likely, very likely, that Charlie, as they say, lost the room, that they didn't believe in him anymore. They didn't like him anymore. They didn't maybe didn't think he was a smart enough baseball guy. I have no idea, mm-hmm. but nobody came to his defense that I heard. And I think that tells you a lot. Um, Schneider is also a guy, as we all know, that came up with two, at least two of the key players um, in Bichette and Guerrero. And Biggio, I think. He, uh, and Biggio, that. sorry. Yeah, I yeah, forgot about him. He'd be there, yeah. And doubtless there are other players on the team that, that played for him in the minor leagues. And I had heard good things about Schneider, even before he was elevated to the blue Jays as bench coach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and from the players, right? So I think he is more one of them more well-liked at least at this point. And what does that mean on the field? It should mean nothing. These are professionals making a lot of money. You should be able to go out there and give it 100% every day. Um, the manager does very little at the major league level, at least very little coaching. So are there subtleties in what he has done? Yes. He has juggled the lineup a bit. He's made sure Bichette hits fourth no matter what. We could have an argument about that, but that's the decision he made. He's got Guerrero hitting second. Um 
He's done very little with the pitching staff because he doesn't have much flexibility there. No. So if you look at what he's actually done, um, I don't know how different it is. So, but it's not, you would say this too. If you look at coaching changes in any sport, as often as not, a new boss comes in and you get a brief blip. Sure. The 10 game wonderment. That's what it really is. And you wonder about, uh, you know, they're they had day off today. They're playing the Cardinals tomorrow night. Um, Are we going to see, are are we going to see a return to some of that lack of focus? I don't know. That'll be, it'll be interesting. Do you, now, do you notice a difference in game philosophy? Is there a way to tell it? You know, I mean, you know, they. No, they, and, and it, it's not something you can turn on and turn off. He had Hernandez stealing second base late in late in on Saturday afternoon. Is that something that Montoya would have done? Well, but again, you're talking about one or two events over the yeah. course of ten games. Yeah. So it's not a pattern. It's not like this manager believes more in the running game than the previous manager. Um, that's the kind of thing you look for. What are the, what, what philosophically are the differences and the real, really the only difference I've seen is the lineup change. Yeah. And you can't argue it, but why would a lineup change make that much of a difference? It really shouldn't. And he's had Guriel, who's been hotter than a pistol hitting sixth or third. Um, Kirk didn't play yesterday, I don't think. No. I don't think he DH'd at all yesterday. Um, I think what maybe the one thing, it'll, it'll be a little longer before we find out, but the all-star Kirk may only catch one or two games a week and be the DH. DH the rest of the time. But, but it appears they've got, you know, they got the rotation of the three DH guys, though, right? It's, it's Springer, Kirk, or Guerrero. Those are your three DHs. Yeah. Right. And the dilemma you have, of course, is Kirk's bat. I mean, as much as you love Springer, um, you like him equally offensively as well as defensively, but he's not he's not the offensive threat that Kirk is right now. I mean, Kirk's one of the best hitters in, in Major League Baseball, and so is Guriel. Mm-hmm. In fact, Guriel might be the best hitter over the last two months in Major League Baseball. I think statistically... You could make that argument. And it is really interesting that his home run production has fallen off, but his bat to ball is extraordinary. Like everything seems to be a line drive. Yeah. You know? Well, and right now, Guriel, Springer, Hernandez in the outfield seems, you know, that's, that's a pretty good trio out there. They've done a pretty good job. You know, so, and then, I mean, and they took Guriel out, I think, for defensive purposes and put Zimmer in. And Zimmer's, what's Zimmer, the fastest guy on the team these days? So, yeah, Zimmer can't hit. No, no, but he could play defense. Can't hit it out of his shadow. He's a, he's a decent, he's a good defensive outfielder, but I don't think he's a great defensive outfielder. Yeah. I don't think he's a better defensive outfielder than. Than any of the other guys. Well, they, but they put him in for defensive purposes. Yesterday I know what they do for, for Guriel. The other guy, the the other guy that seems to have really, and maybe it's just me turned the corner offensively is Matt Chapman's hitting the ball and much more active on the offensive side of the ball, and to complement what he does so well defensively. Well, you know, at the very beginning of the year, you'll recall. I know this is what I thought, and I believe I said it, but others probably did too that if you can get 30 home runs and a 240 average out of Chapman, you'll be thrilled. Yeah. Um, the really interesting thing is, how many plays did he make defensively this weekend? Did he have to make any? I don't know if he did. <laughs> there, was, there was a couple of outs, but I, don't call them, I wouldn't call them great defensive plays. He just made I, I don't. I don't. I'll bet you there weren't more than four balls hit to him all for th- over three games. Yeah, but that wasn't a, that's a reflection of that damn team on the other side. Well, maybe so. Maybe it was Pawtucket, not Boston. Well, it was a mess. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Red Sox do. At the end of the day, I don't think the Blue Jays, excuse me, will go after Soto. 
No. I don't you, you know what I think of 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 the the player on the roster that I give up. Well, you uh, well so so everybody's saying Guriel, but you're not saying a Hernan- you're, but you're saying Hernandez. Correct. Yeah, that's yeah yeah. You've been but you've been pretty consistent on on the moving Hernandez one way or the other because he's going to cost you so much. Correct. Yeah. I you know I don't know whether there's a deal to be made with Hernandez as the the key from the major league team. Obviously, you're going to have to give up a, a whack of futures, but that's what Washington will want, mm-hmm. I would think. I didn't realize how bad you know because uh, you you don't follow the Washington Nationals very. Well. I, they have the worst record in baseball. Yeah, the worst record in the major leagues. And just a couple of years ago, they were a contender with that, and they had such a great starting rotation oh yeah you know well boy how quickly things have changed and i mean listen bryce harper was there um obviously they have they have great scouts and have great uh uh, ability to to draft prospects but man oh man it's to fall off the cliff this much this quickly for the nationals to me it was a shock well it is quite shocking um well, so so where do you so where do you think Soto ends up? Or uh, first of all, I mean everybody's talked about is he going before August second? They're going to have to, aren't they? They're going to have to. I mean, he's turned down four hundred and forty million dollars over fifteen years. He doesn't want to play. He does. Something tells me when you're turning that kind of money, you don't want to play in Washington. Well, he's 23 years old, and he's playing on a team that has no future for the next two or three years, presumably. Um, you, can't, you can't rebuild overnight in baseball uh, unless you're willing to pay. And if you're not willing to give Soto $30 million a year, and I'm not saying you should, but if you're not willing to give him $30 million, are you willing to give... 20 or 25 million to other big name players, like two or three or four others, because mm-hmm. that's how many it would take to turn their fate, change their fate. You know, the acquisition of one player is rarely the key for baseball. Rarely. In fact, if it's not a pitcher, like if you could get a frontline, you know, top five in the league starting pitcher going into the postseason, you know, for August, September, and then the postseason, that can be a difference maker. Mm-hmm. But a player on the field? No. I don't believe it. Um, so would Soto be helpful? Yes. Would Soto hit better than Hernandez? You would assume so. Would he play the same defense? You would assume at least, maybe a bit better. Mm-hmm. Although Hernandez has been a pretty good defensive outfielder. Yeah. Um in fact, Guriel, who was considered a stone finger at one point, is now a solid defensive outfielder. But I mean, uh, but I'm not giving you, up Guriel, and you're not giving up Springer anyway. So, um, well, they won't want Springer. Springer makes 25 million a year. Yeah, no, no. Why would I, you take Springer at no, 25? No, when you no turn- my my point my point really being is is that I, I kind of like the I like the outfield the way it is right now. I don't dislike it. It's just that Soto's available, and you have to consider it. Yeah, but if you but but if if you're, I mean, if you're trading for Soto and you you got two years to convince him that you know the future is here, you're going to have to pay him. I'm not worried t- about. I'm not. I'm not, John. I am not. So you're only winning for now. Winning for now. I'm. He's got two years left. Yeah. No, I know. I'm not interested in beyond two years. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. This is why it's such a rare situation. Generally, when you go and get a free agent in any sport of this quality, you're getting two months of that player. Yeah. Usually, more often than not, you rarely get one full year plus the two months. You never get two years plus the two months. Yeah. Never. Like cite the case of the last player in any sport that was a high-quality free agent that got traded with two years left on a contract. Oh, I'd have to wreck my brains for a while. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. And that's why you have to think about it. So my concern over whether Soto wants 500 million, 600 million over 15 years at the end of two years, I don't care. 
Okay. I mean, I've got a, I've got a baseball team that thinks it's good enough to win World Series for the next couple, three years. And basically, this group will stay intact for the next two or three years. And Soto being a part of that has value. Not as much value as a starting pitcher. No. But it has value. The dilemma you face is, is your need in the bullpen, even in the starting rotation, sufficient that if you give up a package for Soto, you don't have enough left to fix the bullpen or the right. fifth get a fifth starter, right? Yes. That's your problem. That's what the Blue Jays, I assume, have debated and are continuing to debate. It's impossible not to be interested, but you think, all right, how much better are we going to be if we make this move and there's no pitching included? Now, the one thing they could do, I don't pretend to know anything about the Washington bullpen. I assume it's, it's horse crap, but I don't know. Uh, they when, you, do. when you have the worst team in baseball, one would assume that it's, it's not, not that great. good. Yeah. But there may be a gem there. Maybe they 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 get they go out and get Soto and an arm for the bullpen. Yeah, and they really need one more arm for the bullpen. Oh, I, they may even need more than that, Bob. When well, you think I about it, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't mind the way things set up uh, right now. Understanding that generally their bullpen, each guy is asked to pitch one inning. Yeah, I think there's enough there for seven, eight, and nine. So, so that is that's who that's obviously Romano. Is that Simber and then somebody else or what? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you look at the look at the record and the way they pitched, Garcia's pitched okay. Mm-hmm. He's been pretty good. Um, I think one more arm. I don't think they need more. What you would like them to get is a guy who throws hard. Yes. Uh, because Romano's the only guy who has, you know, upper level velocity, yeah. and he's not always ninety seven, ninety eight. Okay, so it's put, ninety five so guys can hit. Put your manager's hat on. Um, this weekend was the second time uh, all season long where Romano actually came in in the eighth and and got either a four or five out save. How concerned are you about that? How, does that bother you? Do you want your closer in the eighth inning? What do you want? No, I don't want. No, I, a closer should not pitch in the eighth inning unless um, the situation is desperate. Which is, which is to say, there were there are no other choices except somebody who's significantly worse, and that can happen. Yeah, you know whether it's. Simber or whoever comes in in the in the eighth inning and doesn't get can't get through the inning. Right. If you don't have another arm that is, you know, high level, one of your top three, maybe four relievers, if those guys have already pitched or tired or whatever, well, then you might have to bring your closer in for an extra out. That doesn't bother me, but you're not going to do it on any regular basis. And you're never, ever, ever going to have a closer pitch two innings. Ever. They're just not made to do that. No, but uh, but I was more concerned about you know you, you know the two the two batters they have to face in the eighth because and and on Saturday I think it was Romano had to get one out in the eighth before he closed the ninth. Not it's not ideal, but it was the way you know I, I don't think I don't think um, Schneider had a choice. I don't think there was another arm out there that he trusted that was ready no. or capable. I may be wrong, but. I would, as a manager, I would not do that. I would not put the, the closer in just because, yeah. just because. So, and you, but you, you also, you're saying about uh, at the deadline, which is next week at this time, um, actually the day before. So next week's August 1st, the Monday, August 2nd is the deadline. Um, but you're, you really want a reliever and a starting pitcher, right? That's really what well, you I think want. You ha- you, I, I, the evidence suggests you need both yeah don't you well i mean kikuchi's not coming back i don't think i mean they're they're, they're talking about uh, coming I don't back know about later that. in the week no but he's going to come back later in the week no and when i say coming back Kikuchi, you know the odds of kikuchi being effective are 
I think they're they're not that great in my opinion. But look, the thing that's intriguing here is that I'm not a nobody's, coach. Nobody has come up from the minors, right? They, they have put stripling, they put stripling in this position, right? Right, which is what you would do one. But remember, you're now short two starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. We forget Ryu was in the rotation, and he, he's he's been gone for so long. We forget about him. But they now have four starting pitchers and their fifth starting pitcher. Who's I don't think hurt. I think that was smokescreen could be wrong, but has not shown himself capable No, for a championship potential team. Now, granted he is never going, he is not going to see the light of day in the postseason If these, this team gets there, they don't need them and they won't use them, but you got to get to the postseason, And, there have been plenty of opportunities to bring guys up from the minors, and they haven't. And the reason they haven't is because they don't have any. They don't have anybody right who's ready to come up. Well, that was supposed to be Nate Pearson, but it it, it may well, never be Nate, Nate Pearson. It wasn't just Nate Pearson. It is not unusual, John, to have eight, nine, ten, eleven guys start games for you. Mm-hmm. Look at the other teams. The Blue Jays themselves have had that over and oh, over sure. and over again. Yep. How many starting pitchers have the Blue Jays used? Seven or eight. Name name the seventh and eighth. I think there's been seven. I, I mean, I you're 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 better at names than I have. You think well, there's only I, been six? You think there's only been six guys? As far as I can remember. Okay. Somebody will. Tell I me. don't remember them bringing up anybody from the minor leagues and giving them a start. Okay. So that not means a single six. guy. Yeah. Okay. The bullpen, all kinds of different arms. Okay. But I don't remember. So they've used six starting pitchers. And you got one guy out has been out for the year almost the entire season and one starting pitcher who has pitched like crap generally all year. Mm-hmm. They don't have anybody at Buffalo right now that they trust. Now, if somebody else gets hurt, they're going to and they don't they're going to have to use somebody. They're going to have to use somebody they don't want to use. Right. But they don't have another one. So um, a starting pitcher, do, do not preclude the possibility of a starting pitcher. pitcher. So seven, they have you seven starters, including Anthony Banda. Yeah, okay, that's one I forgot. So, But that was not, that was a bullpen day. That's correct. You know, you're right. No, you're right. It was that. He was it, not it, called it, up to start. It, no, he was not. Your, your, your technicality of. Somebody being called up from the Bisons. That's what I meant. Yeah. Still accurate. Yeah. That was a seven starters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk. Let's talk a little bit about hockey and uh, the, the, the free agent practice, which is virtually over. Except, Uh, except there are two guys guys still out there. Oh, I know. And we're, you know, they got to be wondering what the heck's going on. Well, let's talk about it. We'll come back uh, with John Shannon, Bob McCowan back after these messages. So it is rare that we get to this point uh, in the off season. Mm-hmm. This is generally the time the general managers ta- start taking their vacation, take yeah. a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll get three or four weeks off, whatever they they want. You know, by the middle of August, they're back at it. But um, and we still have a couple of significant free agents out there. Really good hockey players, Nazem Kadri and John Klingberg, the defenseman from Dallas, and obviously Kadri, the center from the Stanley Cup champion Avalanche, uh, who obviously, in my opinion, overpriced themselves in the market. Clearly, put themselves at a level where, well, I know, and I know for a fact, the Klingberg scenario is that uh, that they they Dallas couldn't even contemplate the money that Klingberg wanted. So he's out there looking for this money and he's going to right up until, you know, today, which is the 25th of July, he's a victim of the flat cap. You know, he's, and so what do you do? Do you, if you're kind of one year deal and do you take a one year deal, but the caps stand flat again next year, Bob. No, I get that. It's two years from now in the summer of 24, when there's an expectation, the cap might go up as much as 10 or 11 million. So, Boy, oh boy, oh boy! They what? Do you, I mean, and Dallas was prepared to give Klingberg good money, 
not $9 million like it sounds like he's asking for. Nas wanted, you know, is looking, was looking for eight or nine. And it's just not, it's just not in the market right now. It's just not there because people, people who have had to spend and, and are going to spend, uh, you know, are some teams are over the, over the cap because they're allowed to be over the cap in the summertime by 10%. Right. So is there got to be at least a couple of three teams that have space for these guys. Arizona's got to have space. But Arizona it- has space. Detroit has space. But do you want to invest? If you're if you're Steve Eiserman, well, that's a good one. Yeah, you're, if you're Steve Eiserman, and you have built a foundation now for a franchise, and Steve has has been meticulous and been very very uh, subjective in the way he's built this cl- club, but they're not winning the Stanley Cup this year. They're still a few years away. They're going to be better. They're going to be competitive. They're in a really tough division. This is not the time to be spending money on free agents. It might be two years from now. But this is not the time to be spending on a cornerstone free agent. You'd rather use your entry-level guys and and sign some some Midland guys like Steve has done to get them through the next two years to prove that they're competitive, to get some experience for his young guys, and then say, okay, we're close to that promised land, and we're going to sign a free agent. Don't do it now. So, yeah, you're saying they're not ready for this. They're They're not ready. The one team that I think feels it is ready for it are the Islanders. Our friend Lou. Yeah. But our friend Lou um, with due respect is pretty tight. Sure. He is. So and now, so he's he, not so going to overpay. He's, he's not just he, on he, principle. Well, let me hear the thing is, is in order to get a guy under contract, like a cadre, he has to shed money first. He has to get rid of some money first. Like, like, look what uh, Columbus very quietly did on Friday. We were all talking about the uh, the, uh, the the big deal for Matthew Kachuk, but you know, Columbus got rid of their number two center, their number two center, a really good player, Oliver Bjorkstrand. They, they traded him for draft picks because they needed to get under the cap because. They signed Patrick Liney to a four-year extension on Friday. And so in order to get, you know, we got Goodrell, we got Liney now long-term, but we have to get rid of one of our good young players. And it hurt them. I mean, not, not on, the, on the roster, but emotionally and from a time of investing time in a player, it hurt Columbus. They had to do that. Teams are now at the point, if they do want to add by, either by free agency or by trade, add a player, Teams like the Islanders have to get rid of bodies and heaven knows what the issues of getting rid of bodies these days are because it it just becomes a domino effect for the other teams that are involved as well. These are really interesting times. Well, could you see either of these two players signing like a one-year $5 million deal? Uh, I can't see... Because they're not going to get they're not going to get what they're asking for wow. even on a one year deal for for both of those guys to sign that deal, they should fire their agent. They should fire their representative because that is a kick in the groin. That is a pure unadulterated kick in the groin. Well, but you're assuming that the agent is the one who is pumping them up and 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 making the ask. I mean, he's physically making the ask. But it could very well be, you know, agent says to a player, look, I, I think you can get six times six. And the player says, hell no, I'm as good as that guy over there. I want six times eight. And at the end of the day, the agent has to go out with the number that the player believes in. No, no question. But it's not the it, agent's fault. It could be, but. Well, but if, 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 if the agent said six times six and the player said six times eight, I'm not taking a one times five. <laughs> That's you know. The, so you're not well, taking you. You have to even save a little face. Do you remember? Do you remember the summer? Gosh, had to be two or three summers ago when Taylor Hall. Remember him? Oh, remember sure. Taylor Hall took that one year deal in Buffalo for eight million dollars. Yeah, and everybody was shocked. He only and but that was his logic. I'm going to prove my worth. Would would you have would you have signed Taylor Hall for 8 million? No. Not a chance. 
Not that was Buffalo team. being stupid. Well, and, and which they've done plenty of times. And what's happened is, is that because the cap is flat, teams are less stupid. <laughs> the, the, really, that's a, that's what's happened. Is there are teams well, out there? I'll, I'll acknowledge that. But the I mean, team, Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall has been an overrated, overpaid player his entire career. Yes, I agree right? with you. Completely agree. And Kadri is not that guy. Well, no, and I think that I think Kadri has proved his value. You know, I mean, his that's best. That's my point. But so, so then, who's who's out there that can? You know, Islanders make sense for him. Calgary still makes sense for him, but Calgary's going to have to shuffle a few things. And I just why and he's already, as Eric DeHatchik told us a couple of weeks he back, he already turned them down. He's already was he, he he had a good offer from Calgary, and and whether he didn't like it or, you know, maybe that maybe and maybe that's gone away now. Maybe that's disappearing with what's happened with the trade on Friday. So when he when he went to Colorado. Yeah. Was his contract not up with the Maple Leafs? No, he had, he had, he had, he, he was, he played, he played in Denver uh, on the Leaf contract. Remember, he, remember, they, they, remember, they tried to trade him to Calgary first, and he refused the trade to Calgary. Right. Then he got traded to, to Colorado, and he got traded for Alex Kerfoot and, and Tyson Berry. But I wonder whether the Maple, his, the Maple Leafs had contract discussions with him. I wonder if Kadri's just one of those guys. Who thinks his value is greater well, than it is? But but that that's kind of my point. But the agent, there are some agents that fuel that, Bob. There are some agents that say, "Come with," because Nas changed agents this summer, earlier, like early in the year. He, he this is a new agent. This is Darren Ferris doing the deal this time around, as opposed to. Uh, Does Ferris have a history that you're aware of? I like oh. Darren. He's good. He's 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 done. A, he's, he I tell you what, he's done a good job for his clients. He's done a solid job for his clients. He's yeah. delivered. He's delivered a lot of times for his clients. But this th- th- this flat cap, this this mon- this money that isn't in the marketplace right now that they're not allowed to spend right now is is Nas is a free agent at an unfortunate time. He really is. Two years from now, he's going to be in great shape if he's still if he's still available as a free agent. But I don't know what's going to happen. There's, but I, I still think that the Islanders are are in a position to do something. And if there's somebody else out there, I, I mean, I think we're we'll be we'll be shocked, just like we were shocked when Johnny Goudreau signed with Columbus. So you so Kadri won't take a five million dollar deal for one year with anybody. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he thinks he's you know I mean. It, what me- happens, and if there are no suitors out there, it's limited. And we assume Arizona doesn't want to pay. And the Islanders can't, 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 can't. Or, and won't. Yeah. I don't think Lou wants to, to give somebody that kind of money. I mean, at the end of the day, Kadri is a, a very, very good player. Yep. But he's not a front. He's not going to lead a team. He's a well, second line a, center. That, you know, that's a good question. Um, you know, the role of a number two center on lots of teams is so important, but well, yeah. I'll give you that, but the, you know, oh boy, but he's, he, you know, you know, and, and, and what not Kadri does for your team. And I, I, I never thought I would be a Kadri fan, but I think the, the way he played the last year and a half in Colorado, you have to be, he's, he works on the power play effectively. He kills penalties. He does a lot of the goods, a lot of the little stuff really well. And then has a an right. unbelievable knack to go to the net, an unbelievable knack to go to the net. And you can't, you know, there's no analytics number out there that can measure his competitiveness. But the issue with Kadri has always been not his performance on the ice; it's what's between his ears, and that he he loses control, and he's. Well, perhaps overconfident and that's, he didn't, he that's didn't get he didn't get suspended this year in the playoffs but he did, that, this is the first time in four that's right and i just wonder if that kind of personality is the kind of personality that would suggest to an agent i'm worth way more than what i'm really worth well i i i, I think more than anything, i don't know it but yeah. it just seems logical to me. I think more than anything, Bob, I think that's the part that still scares teams. 
Sure, it does. It would scare me too. And saying, I, if we're going to, you know, put out that type of money, we need some guarantees. And those are guarantees you just, you can't get. You can't get that, the human aspect of the player. You know, it, was he impressive? Sure he was. Even coming back after the broken thumb during the playoffs, he was good. Look at the goal he scored. Um, you, you know, um, but it, w- it would scare me. And then I'll tell you what, little thing, lots of little things. His post-Stanley Cup interview with Hockey Night in Canada, when he talked about everybody who didn't believe in me can kiss my ass, is what he said on the air. If you're a manager of a team, if you're trying to say, has he, has he matured enough? Between that, the years. That becomes the question. I think it's a fair question, Bob. I really right. do. I think it's a fair question. We got to take the break. We'll come back and chat some more after these messages. I'm McCowan and Shannon back with you. Okay. Um, Brooke Henderson wins her second major, her 12th championship. This is two wins over the last month or so for her after a rather prolonged period of mediocrity. Yep. And right now, um, I know statistically it's not the case, but right now she's the best player on tour. Now, that happens a lot in golf. You know, you win one, you, a lot of times you win two because you get it going. What was when's, the really last impressive, time you saw, when's the last time you saw a four-putt? Um, from somebody other than me? Yeah. <laughs> Now, my, well, okay, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, it was a four putt, yeah. but it wasn't like a four putt from twenty feet. <laughs> no, I've <laughs> like seen you those. Do. Yeah, yes, you've I've felt, done those. You've felt those. Um, no, this is four putt from what 50, 60 feet. Yeah, but you're the not. First so, one was a bad not, putt. It was a yeah. tough putt, but she left it way short and then yeah. stick handled a little bit. What was really intriguing is, um, you know, she's sixty four, sixty four has a has a big lead. Gives away a bit of it on Saturday, but then comes out and loses the lead almost right away on Sunday. It is rare to see somebody come back and win. Rare. Yeah. In that situation. Well, and to and to make that birdie putt on 18, she did what was it, 15, 16 footer, just something like that. Without and and without any emotion after the fact. I mean, holy I was the, weren't you a little surprised? I was shocked. I mean, I mean, there, there there's elation. Or there's relief. And I just saw Brooke make the putt. And, well, even, and, even and, her and, sister, and, yeah. for those who aren't golf fans, her sister caddies for her and has caddied for her, like literally since she began playing. And her sister was a golf pro, not obviously a Brooks caliber, but she knows the game. Her sister never t- even took us, didn't raise her arms. No. Didn't take a step towards her. Oh, no, it was. It was really quite shocking. She was I, so calm about it. I, and I don't know what that means. What do you think? Well, I just think that I, I think what she did was after that string of bogeys and 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 mistakes in 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 regathering herself, she got every emotion under control, and that's what you know it, to play this Maybe. game. To play this game at that level, you have to be in control that much. But I was shocked when, when like where was to me the putter would have been in the air. There would have been running around, throwing the hat, <coughs> kissing everybody that I could. I mean, my goodness gracious. <coughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't just another win. No. It was a major. Yeah. I mean, Tiger Woods won 80 golf tournaments and was as excited for the last one as he was for the first one. Yeah. And he's a guy who doesn't show much emotion. W- we are talking ice water in, in her veins. That's for sure. Well, it's, it's intriguing to me. Yeah. I mean, she is a, she is a terrifically talented player. And, um, and you'll recall too, for those that aren't aware, she always used to have an extra long driver yeah. and then choke down on it. And it's a little, it's strange because there's at least two inches at the end of her driver that she, you know, she chokes down on it. Yeah. Very rare. I don't know another player who does that. And then they, they made her reduce the length of her driver. And that did cause her some angst. angst. Yeah. But she's obviously got it figured out again. And, um, well, we wish her. It's, wish it's her funny. Well. I, when, like, there's a lot of Brooke Henderson fans in our country, but they're not necessarily women golf fans. And that, it's, to me, there people were so excited on Sunday for Brooke Henderson. 
but probably won't watch a LPGA event. You know, I, I find that's the well, juxtaposition. Yeah, they're Brooke Henderson right fans now. rather than LPGA fans. Right. Totally. That's my point. And, well, and I mean, because because if Brooke Henderson was from, uh, you know, Minot, North Dakota, nobody would have cared. But she's not. Well, I, I got to admit, I'm, uh, that's who I am. I don't know about you. Yeah. No, no. I, I paid attention because Brooke Henderson was at the top of the 100%. leaderboard. 100%. Otherwise, I probably would not have watched. If she had not been on the leaderboard, yeah. forget leading, I pro- probably would not have watched a minute. I, I, I think that's right. And, and when you consider all the controversy, and all the attention that men's golf is getting, I'm not sure where the women's game is right now. Well, Liv continues to make impact. What do you think of Faraday going over there? I mean, first they got to get a TV deal. Well, like, does Faraday help them get a TV deal? No. No. What about you know Barkley? Barkley helps him get a better a TV deal better than Faraday does. Really, huh? Yep. Common man, regular guy, regular Joe, bad swing, talking golf, having fun. Well, you know. Hey, speaking of television, quick. Buck Martinez is back Tuesday night. Back Fantastic in the booth. News. Isn't that spectacular? And uh, hopefully we're so back. happy for him. And that we're means he's going to be back on the here. podcast sooner than later. Yeah. And I know he's been watching every game and, and analyzing everything. And so um, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to having him back and we're, we're happy for him and we hope he stays. He is and remains cancer free for an extended period of time, like the yep. rest of his life. But I tell you what, it's a, this is a lot quicker. Uh, than a lot of people anticipated. And I'm so happy for Buck to be back in the broadcast booth. I couldn't be happier myself. Well, there you go. There's a bunch of stuff on a bunch of stuff and uh, we'll uh, probably find a guest. Yeah, we do. We have a guest tomorrow. tomorrow. We have a guest tomorrow. You want to tell everybody who it is? Yeah, it's Bob Ryan from Boston because we're going to, we didn't often on Friday. We did often on Friday. How bad is Chicago? Now it's our turn. How bad is Boston? (laughs) Well, and you know, there's a the Celtics rumor too about uh, Durant. Oh, I know, I, going I, I, around. So we'll ask him about that. We go. hope you'll join us for it. Until then, for John Shannon, Bob McCallum. See ya.